What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. Another week, another episode. You're tuning in for episode 42 of this thing. Me and Ryan hope you all are having a great week. We hope you guys enjoyed episode 41. Start this episode off by saying, Ryan, how are you feeling this week, man? I'm good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I like the spring weather that's coming along as we get closer to March. Yeah, I think it's supposed to drop 30 degrees tonight. I mean, that's how it's been past week or so. I see. I think you're in good spirits. You were rocking the tropical chief shirt. Yeah, I feel like I had to rock it one more time. I think you, you debuted that shirt on your first appearance mm-hmm. on Bar Top Sports Talk way back when. Yeah, Noel dressed me. Shout out to Noel. Always. She's your, uh, is she your stylist? My stylist, my buddy. She's just a legend. <laughs> We might have to get her on the show sometime. That would be so fun. She'd have a great time. <laughs> well, we're going to have a good time tonight, man. We're going to have a good time tonight. We hope everyone's having a good week, as I mentioned. Got some things to get into. NFL season's done, sadly. But we do have some NFL news. This episode, we were going to kind of highlight the 2022-2023 season for the Chiefs. Kind of give a summary. Basically, just give them their flowers one last time as we stop the celebrating and prepare for the 2023 season. You know, champs, we don't, we don't, we don't wait too long to prepare for the next championship. Am I right, Ryan? Yeah. This team's going to stay hungry. So we're going to kind of highlight some of that stuff. Some of the moves now we can kind of look at as we get ready for the offseason as far as free agents for the Chiefs and some kind of and some moves that they, this can be difficult, some difficult decisions coming their way. And we have a kind of a breakdown of the key free agents for this coming season, for this coming off season. Me and Ryan will discuss who should we keep and who should we move on from. And we also have openings in our coaching staff now. So of course we're going to talk about that. And we're going to give a shout out to the, the other football leagues going on. If you're missing football, we got some good news for you. And then in addition to that, we mentioned, we highlighted last week, the All-Star Weekend. Ugh. That's one way to say it. It was bad. Some people may have liked it. If you're a diehard NBA fan or if you're just a fan of basketball, you may have liked it. You may have enjoyed some of the festivities that went on. You may have enjoyed the actual All-Star game. I don't know. Me and Ryan are here to discuss that, though. We're going to give our own take on it. And we'll kind of give you guys a breakdown of the numbers, viewership-wise, and some of the highlights that came along with the All-Star Weekend. And we'll look to the last, and I can't say second half because we're already in the second half of the NBA season, but we'll look forward to the next 23 games, which will end the NBA season. Playoffs are right around the corner. I can't believe it's flown by this quick. The NFL season's over. Now the NBA regular season's almost over. Time needs to slow down, man. I know. 23 games left in the NBA season. This is it's getting into crunch time. So we're going to discuss some, some of the moves that have happened during All-Star Weekend and kind of look at some teams that really needed to get, need to get it together during this 23-game stretch. But as we have for the last few episodes, we're going to be talking some college hoops to start off episode 42. So as we do with every college hoops segment, We're going to take a look at the latest AP poll with our top 10. And 
this week, Houston is number one in the country. Alabama, for right now, is number two in the country. I say right now, given if some of you have been following the news in college basketball, it's not looking good for the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's an unfortunate situation going on there. A lot of bad decisions being made by several parties in Tuscaloosa. You, uh, I don't know. It's like a movie. They're going to make a 30 for 30 about it eventually. Yeah, more than likely. Pretty disappointing situation, especially because they're in the spotlight this year. They have a really good team and, you know, they potentially could have been a Final Four team. You just never know. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But Kansas Jayhawks followed them at number three in the country. We held down the number three spot against a tough TCU squad the other night. So we proved why we're a top three team in the country. Went to, into Fort Worth and gave the Horned Frogs a fat L. It's a nice way to put it. UCLA follows at number four. Purdue down to number five. University of Virginia at number six. Arizona at number seven. Texas at number eight. Baylor at number nine. That might change next week. And then Marquette at number 10. How about Marquette? They've come on strong this year, man. I didn't expect that. I don't think a lot of people did. Definitely not. Marquette, they've been playing some tough games as of late, too. They beat Xavier. They beat Creighton. They beat UConn. UConn's falling off. Remember early in the season, UConn was top five in the country? Yeah. I just had no clue Shaka Smart was like that. It seemed like he always kind of underachieved to Texas. I forgot he's at Marquette. Yeah. I mean, I know they would always do decent, make the tournament, but just never really. That's right. He is a good coach. But Texas, the whole the whole Texas thing, what was it? He was brought there to solely beat Kansas. Yeah, that didn't go too well. No, it did not. They had some success, just not against Kansas. Tennessee, Gonzaga outside of the top 10. Tennessee's continues to fall. I look back to that loss against them in, what was it, November, December, mm-hmm. early December? Yeah, and they just got beat by Kentucky, and they're not ranked either. They got beat by Texas A&M yesterday on Tuesday. I just wish we would have beat them. Yeah. That's one of the our three, or we've been beaten five times. That's one of our five losses. I'm just like, man. Should have had them. it. But, no, I mean, that's neither here nor there. That's okay. Now we can kind of look into the Big 12. Or no, no, before we get into the Big 12 standings, Ryan, we've been talking about it for a few weeks, and we keep forgetting to do it. But th- this is a time that, as KU fans, we can kind of gloat a little bit, and for good reason, too. So the term blue blood, obviously some of you may know what it means, some of you may not, is basically a way to describe some of the top basketball programs in the country. Programs with rich history in the sport. Some of the top players have come from these schools. Some of the best coaches ever have come from these schools. It comes with, you know, some pedigree, some prestige. You're basically one of one if you're considered one of these programs. Now, typically, Kentucky, Duke get a lot of the spotlight. 
North Carolina even. Michigan State kind of gets thrown in there, Indiana. But the main ones are usually Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and UCLA. Now, Kansas and UCLA are having good seasons. KU, of course, coming off the national championship, and we're number three in the country. But, Ryan, tell us about the other ones that we love to see lose. North Carolina already has 11 losses on the season. They just got beat by Miami and NC State last week. Who would have thought? You know, I would have figured if it, if the two national championship participants, Kansas and North Carolina, of course, out of the two, I would have figured that we probably would have had the the hangover. We lost 70% of our scoring. And they returned quite a bit of their key players. Uh, Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, and uh, they lost Brady Manic. Like, that was really the only player they lost that comes to mind. Yeah. So it's kind of weird that they haven't had success this season. Yeah, they were going to run it back. They're on a two-game losing streak. As Ryan mentioned, they already have. Five of their last six L's. 16 and 11. Yeah, they still play Duke and Virginia. Now they play against Notre Dame tonight. We'll see if they can get right. I, I wouldn't put it past them to lose. They've been disappointing. Now what about the other one? Kentucky or Duke? We'll go Kentucky. Kentucky beat Tennessee last week, so they're kind of keeping their season alive. They're 18-9, and which isn't terrible, but they've had a better February than they did December and January. They're still falling off, though. To just see them not in the top 25, though, it's just another oddball thing. If If you follow college basketball for probably the past... 10 years, even in a shorter term, the last five years, you see Kentucky, North Carolina in the top 25. Yeah. Kentucky still has a pretty good shot of probably winning out. They don't really play anybody. The next two games are against Florida and Auburn. Auburn would be tough, but really, now there is the scenario, say they lose those two games, or if they even lose early in the SEC tournament. I'm sure the committee would somehow squeeze them in to the March Madness, of course. They'd be a higher seed. But I'd wonder if, say, a mid-major gets in over them and then they're back in the NIT. Ooh, that would be tough. I I think the Tennessee win helped them a lot. I know Tennessee hasn't been playing as well the last month, but they still beat a top-10 team, or they were ranked 10 at the time. That is true. And now what about the, the last but not least, Blue Blood? Duke's been playing better. They've won three straight. They're still 20-8. and eight. It's just like they're, I don't know, playing better the last month. It's just kind of right when they need to, but still underachieving to Duke's standards or Blue Blood standards. To not see them be at the top of the ACC is weird. Yeah, it's just what happens if they lose to North Carolina in the final game of the season. Even March 4th has so many big tournament implications all across the board. It's going to be crazy. Their next two games aren't given either. They play Virginia Tech. It's in Cameron Indoor, so you probably give them the slight edge. But then NC State the week after that? NC State, they're not a bunch of scrubs. It's going to be tough. 
they're not gonna they're well out of the ACC regular season championship. Yeah. Miami has the best odds. I guess it just depends really on how they do in their conference tournament. If they both if they all three lose early in their conference tournament, it's gonna be hard to get any of them in. I and that's that's what I was referring to, you know, the mid majors. Say um, a mid major that's twenty seven and four. They had a really good season, the conference championship. You know, the conference champions, you know, could you put them in over a Duke, Kentucky, or North Carolina? It'd be tough. I think those teams get in because, like, the Blue Bloods get in because, I mean, based off history. Just like, their name alone, the recognition. How how weird of a scenario would it be, though, all three of those teams to miss in one in one season? I can't think of a time that's ever happened. No, we're going to have to research that. I can't remember it all. You'd have to go deep, deep into like the basketball archives, college basketball archives, to even like, you'd have to go decades, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, I highly doubt that, that it might have never happened. It wouldn't surprise me. I was trying to think, did Roy ever miss the tournament in North Carolina? I don't believe so. A couple of championships, I know that. Too right, North Carolina. I know he bit Michigan State once. Yeah, yeah, because I know Kentucky was in. Yeah, I can't remember. It definitely wasn't in our lifetime. It it it's interesting. It's an it's an interesting scenario. And if you're a college basketball fan, you're probably intrigued like me and Ryan, because it's something to keep an eye on for sure. But uh, that's just kind of our way of gloating, hmm. seeing where our program stacks up compared to theirs. I think we we deserve it. I mean, we're the reigning national champions. I mean, our three-game losing streak doesn't look too bad. No, it, it doesn't anymore. I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better. Way more confident than if I'm a fan of their, <laughs> those programs. For sure. <laughs> Which we can lead into the college, or the Big 12 slash KU update. As I mentioned, the Kansas Jayhawks defeated TCU. Another great showing from Grady Dick and company. Kevin McCuller, play, he's been playing really well lately. Yeah, he's turned it up. If I, I want to ask you this before we dive deeper into the KU update. March is right around the corner, right? Mm-hmm. Which player on KU's roster is key for them to run it back? Obviously, Jalen Wilson and Dick need to score, but who who would be the unsung hero? I think probably KJ, because I feel like you know what Grady Dick's going to get you. You know what Jalen Wilson's going to get you. McCuller, you know what he's going to do. Dewan Harris, you know what they're going to do. I think it's really KJ Adams being able to stay out of foul trouble, no sloppy turnovers, and just score the ball. Even if he doesn't score the ball, just as long as he rebounds, plays defense, and tries to stay out of foul trouble so we don't have to go to the bench early, because that's one thing that always kills... I mean, it's killed us this season, too, our starters just getting in foul trouble. Not just KJ, but across the board. I do agree with you, because if he's able to stay in the game longer, you like that he's an experienced player. He was there last year, of course, as a, you know, as a role player. Now this year as a starter. But having experience on the big stage matters. Having a guy that can kind of get the ball in the bucket down in the paint. He's pretty athletic, as you mentioned. I just wish that he would be more consistent. And 
I do agree with you. He he'll be key. I just he's not a, as dominant on the glass as you would like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you got to think before the season started, and last year, I mean he was practicing with the guards. He was, you know, and I think that's one thing. How many times have we seen KU in the tournament get killed by the five man because our five man can't guard the three? KJ definitely can't shoot it, but at least he has that experience for guarding wings, so he'll be able to guard the five. I think that'd be a nightmare matchup if they ever try and step out and shoot on him. That'd be the nice thing about that. It, he he's athletic enough to stay with the guards for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That is a good one. I would say someone like Kevin McCuller, but obviously we know he needs to be big. If we're in the case that KJ Adams doesn't get in foul trouble, or if he's just playing poorly. I say Ernest Uday. Ernest Uday Jr. He's playing great, man. He's big. He's strong. He doesn't shy away from the tough matchups or anything like you'd think a younger player would. He's always ready to go, even when he just plays limited minutes, which is kind of hard to do that in the middle of the game like that, especially so late in the season, but he always gives it 100%. That's the thing I love about this kid. He really doesn't average that many minutes. He averages 8.4 minutes a game. But in his last... In the last five games, he's he's picked up more, you know, through as we like through January and February. But his last five games, for example, he has a game with one steal, two games with two or two games with three steals, or two games with three games with two steals. Sorry, that was a tongue twister for me there. And then one game with three steals. So he he's put that he's using that link to his advantage. Getting his long arms in the passing lanes. He has, out of his past five games, he has three games with a block. And then, of course, he's getting rebounds as well. And he has an assist in four out of the last five games. He he just does everything. I think it's big. I think he could come in really, really big off the bench, especially when you think he wasn't even supposed to play that much this year. I know he's still not playing that much this year, but... Bill loves playing his upperclassmen first, usually, unless they're like obviously a star like Grady Dick or something. But Zach Clemens was supposed to be playing over him. That's right. I guess it always depended on what lineup we were going to run and how everything panned out. But I think he's playing incredible off the bench. It's hard to come off the bench and do that. And I've almost, I've thought about it a lot lately, just because given KJ's kind of inconsistency, mainly on the, the defensive end and on the glass, Scoring-wise, he's done okay for us lately, but not this last game, but typically he can get you double figures. I was almost convinced myself, like, do we need to start Ernest Uday over KJ? But then at the same time, I love the energy he brings off the bench, and I don't think KJ would bring that. He kind of reminds you of like almost like a Kevin Young, but obviously he doesn't play as much and he's not as old, but he's just that spark plug we need to come in and play defense. And just get us through foul trouble. I like him a lot. I think if, especially if we play a team with a bigger lineup, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen, I think Oklahoma State, where they have two seven-footers, and they're pretty athletic. If sometimes KJ, that's his downfall, because, I mean, what, he's six seven, Maybe. On a Maybe. good day? He's small. Yeah. So you bring in Ernest Uday, he's 6'11". Maybe seven-foot on a good day. Yeah. You bring him in against a taller lineup and then run four, essentially four guards. You know what I mean? 
I like that lineup. I mean, March is all about matchups. It'll be interesting to see who's hot and who's not. It'll be interesting to see what Bill rolls with. But it it was a complete team win against TCU. We needed that one. We need to win out. We need to win out. We have West Virginia coming up this Saturday. I feel that's in the field house. You feel like it's a, a game that's a favorable matchup. They've been playing better as of late, but again, you're in Lawrence. You're number three in the country. You should win that one, especially coming off the two wins that they have against Baylor and TCU. And then to close out February, they have Texas Tech. Not an easy game, but again, it's in Lawrence. Last game of the season. I think you alluded to it earlier in Austin. Yeah, March 4th. That one is going to be huge. It's a Saturday. Hopefully Baylor can get it done Saturday coming off that embarrassing loss to K-State. Maybe they can knock off Texas for us. I wish Baylor would have won that. That was embarrassing. Yeah, hopefully they can beat Texas. Yeah. Luckily we got our gauntlet out of the way because Texas, they stopped to play Baylor, TCU. I believe it's at TCU, and then they get KU at home. Yes. Three also, that would be Texas's senior night, wouldn't it? Yep. Three, three ranked matchups in a row. Baylor, TCU, KU. That's a gauntlet. Yeah, that's tough. For the Longhorns. So look at the Big 12 standings real quick. KU and Texas are now tied 11-4. That's going to come down to that March 4th game. I think that, like it's very easy to see, see that. KU obviously... Honestly, Texas might slip up, and KU could drop that game to Texas. But if we take care of business against West Virginia and Texas Tech, we might be able to still clinch even with the loss to Texas because I don't know if they can beat Baylor and TCU in a back-to-back. It, it might happen, but it might not. There's a chance that they also could win those two games. But we need them to lose. Yeah, the season's in our hands, though. We can't take these next opponents lightly. K-State's still there. They're nine. Nine and six, I believe. Their next three games, they're at Oklahoma State, which, not a given. And then two games in March, Oklahoma, and they're at West Virginia. You look at those games and you think they should win those as well. Honestly, though, those teams are tougher than what their record says. And it's not necessarily something you can kind of, those aren't teams you can look over. Yeah, West Virginia is bad, though, but it's always, you always hear about former players and current players talking about how hard it is to go to Morgantown because you have to go to the airport, then take the, like, two-hour bus ride, go into that little town. It's hard travel. And you never know weather, too. They get some pretty bad snowstorms. Yeah. They just play a whole lot better at home. I mean, I know most teams do, but they play especially well at home. It's just the Big 12 so tough. I don't think their record really indicates how good they are. No, absolutely. And the unfortunate thing about that is some of those teams are going to miss out on the tournament just because they're like in a a slug fest every single game. Like every two two or three days you're playing either a ranked team or a team that could potentially be ranked. Yeah, potential like Final Four teams, Sweet 16 teams. I mean, it's tough. I mean, we might have seven out of ten teams make the tourney. Which is typical for Big 12, but this year for sure. The metrics have shown that, you know, hands down it's the best conference. And speaking of the conference, you have an announcement, right? 
About what? We will be live. Oh, yeah. We're going to go watch Big 12 Tourney. No, I'm kidding. We won't be live, but... We probably should. That'd be lit. That'd be awesome. Set up a booth in T-Mobile Center. Yeah. We're all going to go Wednesday and show out, and then I'm going Thursday, too. Got to watch KU. Even those Wednesday games, which will more than likely be, you know, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I I think it's going to be those four teams. Like, just given the next three games and their record right now, it's going to be those four teams. But even those matchups, those are going to make for some good games. Especially in March, because, I mean, for, I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, those teams, it's like win or go home. And if you get a, uh, if you get a Bedlam matchup, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Oh, that'd be cool. The rivalry, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it might come down to the last game of the season before we know the seeding for sure. Like Nothing's locked up. I mean, it's probably most likely going to be those four teams. We just don't know the seeding yet. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Speaking of seeding, to round off the college basketball segment of episode 42 of Bar Top Sports Talk, as I mentioned, we we're going to talk about the regional seating that was projected as of right now. This was as of Saturday by CBS Sports. They released this. I believe Andy Katz is responsible for that. I want to say. Not 100% sure, but they released it on Saturday during all the television broadcasts and everything. Here's what the top four seeds for each region look like as of right now. The South region, you have Alabama at the one seed, of course. Baylor as the two seed. Baylor, the fourth best team in the Big 12, is the two seed. You know, that's insane. Number three, Virginia. Virginia is the number one ACC team, and Baylor's over them. Like, I think that you know, that's, speaks for itself. Yeah, it does. And then Indiana, the four seed, to for the round off the South region. The West region. Regional final in Las Vegas. KU with the one seed. Arizona with the two seed. Kansas State with the three seed. That'd be a fun one. Yeah, it would. You get a regional final against Kansas State in Vegas. There's the, if it stays like that, we have the potential to play them four times in a season. I don't think that's ever happened because we could see them in the Big 12 tournament. That'd be insane. Be a, they don't want to meet us in March. No, that'd be a dogfight. And then Gonzaga, that's a that's a tough region though, with those four seeds. If it stays like that, but that's a tough one. Now the Midwest, we need to win out to get into the Midwest because the Midwest regional final is here in Kansas City, T-Mobile Center. We have to win out to get to there. Think about how awesome that would be. You know, they win the Elite Eight in Kansas City. Power Light's going to be going nuts. Everyone's going to be ready as we get ready for... Where's the Final Four this year? I don't even know. I'll have to double check on that. But it KU needs to win out. And some teams, we need them to lose. Which actually it might change because one of the teams in there has lost two in a row. Houston, for right now, holds down that top one. They're the one seed in the Midwest region. Texas is the two seed. Tennessee, the team I was kind of alluding to, I don't think they're going to hold down that three seed. 
Xavier, they're the four seed. I don't think they're going to hold that down. There could be a lot of shakeup still in that Midwest region. The East region, which is in New York, you have Purdue, number one seed. I give them that. That's pretty accurate. UCLA. UCLA gets screwed on this. He has to go clear to the East Coast. They're the two seed in the East region. Iowa State, the three seed. Iowa State. That They're the... What is it? Or no, they're the fourth best team. They're the fifth best team. Sorry, the fifth best team in the Big 12, and they're a three seed. Like that's an, that's crazy. I don't know if I agree with it, but I can understand why they pro- would project that. And then Marquette, number four, rounds off the East region. I think it's fair to say that the West region is easily the toughest out of those four. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great March Madness. I'm really excited. I'm excited too, man. I I want to see it. We like I said, we we need Houston to lose and we need to win out. Because, man, Kansas playing, of course, we had to get there. But potentially to play the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in T-Mobile Center, that'd be awesome. If we went out, including a win at Texas like that, we clinched the Big 12, win it outright, I don't know how we wouldn't get it. We just got to finish business. Been strong. That's where we leave off with college basketball. As we get into the NBA segment of episode 42 of bar top sports talk now typically we start our nba segments with the power rankings we'll get to that but this week we had to recap (laughs) the dumpster fire that was the all-star weekend which is kind of sad to say because you know leading up to last week we were kind of mentioning how it's usually an exciting time all-star weekend in the nba is usually one of the more popular all-star events like in professional sports so to see what happened was pretty disappointing but for some of the highlights most of you have probably seen by now mac mcclung won the dunk contest ryan you were correct on that (laughs) i listened back to episode 41 yeah i picked jericho sims (laughs) who easily had the worst dunk contest appearance ever it just why was he even in it <laughs> it's terrible his performance was so bad no one not even a single person in that crowd applauded him and i i, I saw that no one even stood up salt lake city I, I would feel that the people there and i know people tra- are traveling in for that event of course but i feel like we, for the majority of Salt Lake City, you're probably getting a lot of, you know, nice people, generous people, people that would like clap or anything like. Bunch of Mormon white people. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're probably polite. Like they didn't even they didn't even clap for him. Like what Chuck said, they're all going to heaven. There's nothing to do. <laughs> You'd think they'd be excited. That's what I'm saying. I at least would have stood up for the dude. Yeah, I've. <laughs> He's out there trying. But what was going through his mind, though? You know what I mean? I he did know. the like, same dunk twice. He probably didn't even think he was going to be in it, and then it was just like, what do I do now? So, I, I don't know why I picked him. I I said he was the, I didn't know anything about him, and, you know, I just picked him. I should have picked McClung. 
I said McClungle more than likely win it. I will say this though. While the dunk contest, it can be boring at times whenever, say, a dunker isn't able to get their dunk off on the first attempt, it does get boring because then they keep trying and trying. And most times they have to end with a basic one, mm-hmm. which then, yeah, the crowd's not going to feel it. If you're watching it at home, you're not going to feel it. But I, I did see a highlight clip of it, it, it did it justice. So it shortened the, what, probably two-hour window into, like, a 60-second video, which it was much better if you watched it like that. (laughs) But, like, Kenyon Martin, Kenyon Martin, the two clips that I saw, I'm assuming he had multiple attempts in the minute 30 seconds that they give them. So that's probably why he didn't make it to the finals. But the two dunks that he got off, were they they looked okay. Who was the other guy? Murphy from the Pelicans? He even pressed. I thought he did pretty well. Mac McClung was easily the best, though. Yeah, he was definitely the most known player. Like, just because, I mean, going viral in high school and stuff, he was all over ESPN, Bleach Report and stuff. And that's the thing. The NBA, if they're going to continue, you know, we'll, we'll get into the ratings here in a second, but if they want to improve those ratings, you have to have notable players. Mac McClung, everyone assumed he would win. Not me, but like Ryan, I'm sure other people saw his highlight tape from high school and, you know, he had some college highlight tape and you could tell that that dude had, you know, bunnies. He had a plan too. You could tell that, you know, he's, he's a dunker. He knows how to excel in that area of his game, I guess you could say. But if you want to improve it, like that's the marquee event of All-Star Weekend. That's their NBA's bread and butter. Everyone's tuning in for that. You need to have notable names. Otherwise, people aren't going to watch. Plain and simple. And that's kind of what... There was even some stars that spoke out. Kevin Durant being the most notable. Kevin Durant had some comments. He said, yeah, you need star players. You know, you need guys like Zion or Ja. Speaking of Ja, what did you think about his comments? That he it, it needs a billion likes to participate in it. That dude's weird. That's stupid. Like, if you don't want to participate, I get it. But just to say some, just say I don't want to do it. What do you mean a billion likes? That was That's dumb. just corny. It was corny. Like that dude knows everybody would be there to watch him. Think of all the kids that look up to him. Why would you not want to put on a show? At least he could get one trophy. That's a good point. <laughs> Not only that, though, it would help his brand. It would help his image. Given this series kind of looks like a, a cornball. Yeah, I mean, every time you get on Twitter, you still see Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. They're dunk highlights all the time. Like, every NBA season, you'll see it. I mean, like you said, his brand, notoriety. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. This doesn't make any sense. I know some of the stars like that want to rest, and then there's the whole injury risk, but it's like, I don't think I've ever seen or even heard of a dude getting hurt practicing for the dunk contest or being in the dunk contest, so I don't really get that argument either. Like, I get it if you need rest, but how old is Jaw? What, he he was a one-and-done, and he's in, what, his third year? 23, give or take. I think he's 23. What's he need rest for? It was, it was stupid. To say one billion likes... It's just dumb. I'm not going to comment further on that. 
It is yeah. stupid. You're... Uh, he's he's becoming an unlikable guy. Very unlikable. Now, to continue on, Damian Lillard won the three-point contest. Dang dollar. I, I feel <laughs> goofy last week because I mentioned that Kevin Huter was probably one of the top shooters in that contest, and he did the worst, right? Yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> I didn't want to roast you like that. I am eating my words, but I didn't pick him. But I, I, I did say that he was probably, you know, one of the guys with the highest odds. Man, was I off. And oh, we did. I lost, too. I didn't get it right. We didn't get to mention, but he was a late addition to it. Julius Randle, of all people, was added, and he did just about as good as Kevin Huter. It just didn't make sense. That was another event that didn't make sense. You had guys that aren't known to be three-point shooters. You know why. Team Utah, they won the team challenge again over the Antetokounmpo brothers and their team rookie. I believe you got that correct as well, Ryan. Yes, sir. The team of Kessler, Walk, Walker Kessler, Jordan Clarkson, and was it Markinen? Something like that. Can't remember who the third dude was. I think that was the three. Something like that. And then now to get into the actual All-Star game itself. There's some people that are kind of upset with it. Not necessarily of the the order of it, but the how, the fact that how long it took this year. The, all, the draft. You know, the, basically the fantasy draft for LeBron and Giannis. It took, I think, like 30 minutes or so before the actual game took place. It was not very good. Did you, you tune in for that part? No. No. Just a little bit. I was following it on Bleacher Report. I was at work. I couldn't really get too into it. What did you think of the reverse picks that they implemented this year? Basically making... It it was stupid. Like These guys are millionaires. They're grown adults. I don't think they're going to care that they're getting picked last in an all-star game. Yeah. You're still one of the best players in the best league in the world. Like they all know who's better than them and who's not. I think it was a cool idea, maybe. It was just bad. So the reverse pick. So, for example, I think, say, Rudy Gobert makes it in one year. He's typically the last player picked. <laughs> so this year, they would have had to pick him first or another player that was of his caliber compared to picking you know, Kyrie Irving or a Jason Tatum. So they had to do it in reverse. Lo and behold, though, Team LeBron lost. Team Giannis won. Ryan, you're correct on that one as well. Yep. Congratulations, man. You're on fire. I was born for this. <laughs> the disappointing part about, one of the many disappointing parts about the actual All-Star game itself, LeBron and Giannis didn't even finish the game. Giannis had less than a minute, right? 20 seconds. And LeBron didn't play the second half, I believe. They both had wrist injuries. And Jason Tatum, I believe, had something going on with his wrist. I saw like a bunch of players, not a bunch, but at least those three guys with wrist tape on. It's like, what's going on there? What's going on with your guys' wrist? It didn't hurt Jason Tatum's shot, though. No, it did not. Who was hooping? Jason Tatum won All-Star Game MVP, the Kobe Bryant Trophy. His idol. He... 
put on a show, 55 points. He broke the single, or not single game, but the all-star game record for most points in the game. I believe it was previously held by Anthony Davis. He, I think, broke that record recently over the past few years. Yeah, I think he beat Will. Yes, yes, he did. That was that was really cool to see. As a Celtics fan, I was pretty happy. Not only that, Jalen Brown also had an MVP caliber performance. They're so cool playing uh, against each other. I love it. I like that duo a lot. Oh, trust me, I do too. That was one of the cool things about the All Star Game was seeing those two guys go back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, they would match up against each other. I have a fun, interesting tidbit for you, Ryan. You'll like this. Jason Tatum is the first Celtics player to win the All-Star Game MVP since 1982. Who's the player that won it in 1982 from the Celtics? Is it an obvious answer or is it like a tricky one? That's pretty obvious. Bird? Your favorite player. Larry Legend. Larry Bird. I'm not even going to comment on that. You've been waiting all week to hit me with that. I all did. week. I did. That was a surprise for you. That That is surprising, though, that Boston has the rich history that they've had, obviously, in the NBA, that maybe two players have ever won the All-Star Game MVP. And I know it's not an award that you're necessarily trying to go out to get. Some people probably, some of the players probably are. You're just happy to be there and you're just pooping, but that's surprising. The only two Celtics players. It is. I think KG or Paul Pierce. I don't think Pierce was ever a starter, though. So maybe yeah. that's why. KG um, was more than likely a starter with the T-Wolves. T-Wolves. You need to put some respect on Paul Pierce's name. He's my favorite player. Now we get into the numbers of the All-Star game. It's been criticized for good reason social media even casual fans they sent you like a four page text about it yeah it's fair to say that a lot of people were upset with the product that was on display on Sunday night so we'll get into the numbers the ratings declined 29% viewership declined 27% from last year's all-star game and of course last year's all-star game was the product wasn't that great either. It's beginning to run into Pro Bowl territory is ter- in terms of being that bad. Yeah, it did worse than the Pro Bowl this year. It was a record low, and it did. It's placed it behind this year's Pro Bowl. Flag football. Hmm. I would have assumed that the All-Star game would have blown that out of the water. Because no one was watching the flag football fest. Well, you think, especially because the NBA has more worldwide fans, you'd think it would have got more views easily. But it was pretty bad, though. I understand why it didn't. What do you think they could add to make it better? Not necessarily the All Star game, but All Star weekend. That's the million dollar question right now. One v one tourney. King of the King of the Court. Yeah, that would be one. Yep. But do you think? That would be a part of the all-star festivities, so that's Saturday? Yeah, I think I think some of the bigger-name players would definitely go for that, for sure. 
they need to do something to try and get people involved and get the stars involved. I miss when they used to have the horse competition. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was just like a cool little thing. Just fun. Because everyone can relate to that. I'm, yeah. So it's really weird. So the ESPN as a network, obviously, or you no, know, it was TNT as a network. Obviously, the viewership numbers were terrible. But oddly enough, across like every streaming platform or social media, All-Star Saturday Night generated 520 million video views in the first 12 hours. And that was the most views ever for an All-Star Saturday Night. So, I mean, people tuned in from like that aspect of it at least but from a like a television viewership wise it just the numbers went down the toilet it was like your backups channels backup basically oh we forgot to highlight this last week as part of the all-star game fest or all-star weekend festivities the saturday how they have the rookie sophomore kind of thing and last year me and hector talked about it they have the four team kind of playoff type of thing mm-hmm. where they have four teams with like historic, not a historic head coach, but historic players. So there was Deron Williams. I believe he had a team. Paul Gasol had a team and they, they have the top rookies and like top second year players. They play against each other in this little tournament. Jose Alvarado was, I think the star of the show mm-hmm. for MVP. that. He won the MVP for that. The interesting story about him, if you're not familiar, he was undrafted coming out of Georgia Tech in 2021. Fought for a two-way contract with the Pelicans. Eventually earned significant playing time with him now. And during the playoff run, when they played the Suns a couple years ago, because he had the whole beef with Chris Paul. Mm. You remember that? I forgot about that. Yeah. Has a current four-year contract with him. You wouldn't necessarily consider him as one of the top rising stars, but he he's a good talent. A solid role player. He does what he's supposed to do. I do like his game. He's pretty good. He's a good player to have. It's a great story, too. But all in all, All-Star Weekend for the NBA, it was a letdown. Major letdown. I do think, I agree with you, the King of the Court challenge could help boost ratings for the Saturday game for the Saturday festivities the game itself I don't know you got to get them to play defense somehow yeah I think drafting right before the game might have played some into that because you know you got to think you can't talk about defense assignments switches run plays or anything it was basically just like one-on-one and everybody else clears out Mike Malone was not a fan of it no coach of the Denver Nuggets do you incentivize incentivize them more? I know the winning team gets money. I don't know what they could do, honestly. It runs into the same you know situation as the Pro Bowl. People ask, "What could the Pro Bowl do?" So then they think flag football. Flag football didn't work. Now it raises the question: What's the best All Star game in pro sports right now? I think you could easily say it's MLB. MLB All Star game. Even though as and even then, that can be boring, and not for why you think. Like baseball, is, I know you don't necessarily like 
baseball. You, Unless it's the Royals, I you, can't watch. Yeah, I get that. You you kind of enjoy it. You might have it on like in the background. Mm-hmm. Most people probably do. You're not really into baseball. It 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 can be hard to get into. There's a lot of numbers and you know so many different players each and every single day. The the thing about the All Star game for baseball is that it's basically a pitcher duel. You have the top pitchers, and it's usually a low-scoring game because even some of the best batters in the league can't touch what the pitcher's throwing. That's the only downside of the MLB All-Star game. Otherwise, it's probably the best one. I've never watched NHL, the hockey All-Star game. I would assume it's better than NBA and NFL at this point, though. Yeah, it's not saying a lot, though. I just hope they get better. As a sports fan, it's just a letdown every year. Mm-hmm. So hopefully next year's better. It'll be in Indiana. I think that I think the location kind of played into it too. I don't think anybody was excited to be in Salt Lake City. No, nobody's turning up in Salt Lake City. So maybe Indiana will be better next year, or Indianapolis. I didn't even see that many like famous people that went to it. Like normally, there's like you know the biggest artists. I know there were some I saw. There wasn't even that many. Like names there. It was just mid. Very mid. Now to look into the last 23 games of the season, we can look at week 19's power rankings. They don't play basketball till Thursday night, sadly. So we've been without basketball this week. Nothing to really bet on besides college basketball. And it hasn't gone well, for me at least. Dang. Who'd you, t- who'd you pick? Oh, I'll have to show you. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sometimes I just want to win, and I'll pick some mid-major schools and don't know anything about them. You can't win unless you play. That's true. So the power rankings, week 19, look like this. Surprising, the Milwaukee Bucks are number one in the latest power rankings. Boston slides to number two. I don't really know why. I don't understand that. It, yeah, it's kind of a question mark, but Boston's ahead of them in the standings. I don't think you can really say Milwaukee's played that much better than them. Well, actually, I mean, they're 10-0 in their last games. Boston's 7-3, not far off. And one of those games, Boston didn't even have their starters. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know. I think they're just trying to be different. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even a Celtics fan, but that is weird. Nuggets, number three, they've held down the number. But actually, they slide. They jumped Milwaukee all the way to number one from number three. That's surprising. 76ers still stay within the top five at number four. Cleveland, number five. Grizzlies, number six. I believe that stayed the same. The Clippers move up to number seven. I believe the Clippers were out of the top ten last week. Because I remember mentioning that they should be in. The Knicks as well at number eight. The Suns. All the teams that I mentioned that should be in the top ten last week, they all made it. The Clippers, Knicks, and the Suns. There you go, seven, eight, nine. And then the Kings, still at number 10. Very interesting. Do you have any problems with that? Any disagreements? Not really. I can't think of anybody that should be up there. I mean, obviously, I think Boston should be number one. I would, I would definitely go Boston. Boston and Milwaukee at one and two. It's very tight, though, because Denver is also there. And they're seven and three in their last ten games. They've been still playing really good basketball. 
I'm really surprised with how good Philly's been playing. It's nice to see. We'll see if they can that translate to the playoffs. Yeah, I just don't know if they're deep enough. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. That's gonna be tough. Or if JoJo gets some foul trouble, over. I think I I have no problems with their top five though, as far as who's in the top five. Yeah, I have no complaints. The back end. I like those teams over Sacramento. Watch Dallas next week. They could sneak in over Sacramento. We'll see. Now, with these 23 games, as I mentioned when we were kind of previewing the NBA segment, there's a lot riding on these 23 games for some teams. We're technically calling it the second half push, even though it's not. Ryan, who would you say right now are your top four contenders? So the two top teams, I mean, this is probably pretty obvious. Conference. Who do you think makes it to the conference finals from the West and the Eastern Conference? I know that the seedings could change a lot, but if, I mean, probably Celtics, Bucks in the East. And then I guess it, in the West, as long as Katie comes back healthy and gets in game shape, probably the Suns and Nuggets, right? I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen anything about when Curry's supposed to come back, but even when he comes back, he's going to have to get in game shape. And if they slide too many games, they might have to play the Nuggets in the first round. I agree. I just don't see Memphis as a threat. I can't see them making the conference finals. No, I, I would be surprised. The Clippers could be a dark horse. They'd, they'd have to be fully healthy. Which kind of leads into the next part. One of the teams that is pushing very hard in these next 23 games are going to be the Los Angeles Clippers. They are currently the four seed. They could get a better seeding. They could overtake Memphis. And it kind of rides on this guy. Your boy, Ryan. Russell Beastbrook. What you you like to call him, correct? Yep. OKC legend. Ro- Russell Westbrook has joined the Los Angeles Clippers after being bought out by the Utah Jazz. Looks like Paul George's recruiting helped. Yep. Do you think he can help the Clippers win? Can he be successful? I think he can. I know he's a little bit of a head case, but I feel like in L.A., from the minute he got there, he was going to be picked as a scapegoat. They don't talk about LeBron James resting a lot. They don't talk about him kind of being a diva. They don't talk about Anthony Davis missing game after game with weird ticky-tack injuries all the time. They use him as the scapegoat because they were all playing for as a team. Anthony Davis misses significant amounts of games. I think LeBron's missing. I thought the last I saw, it was at 18 games maybe? Pushing close to 20. So like, what do they expect him to do? They don't have a lot of bench help. And he was playing, like, statistically when you look at his plus-minus turnovers to assist ratio and shooting. He was playing great coming off the bench. He was a six-man-of-the-year candidate for the first half of the season. It's just they picked him as who they were going to use as a scapegoat. His departure in L.A. was disappointing, not because of his play this season. Last season, he was disappointing. This year, he he was fine. He wasn't the issue this year. I agree with you. Does he do... does? 
I feel like it's kind of an obvious question, just given that they don't have a point guard. Do you think he starts? Would you trust him to start if you're Ty Lue? I don't know. He he has to understand that he's the third option. Like no matter how good he thinks he is, if he can stay out of his own way, I mean, he averaged a triple double for three straight years. He's still crazy athletic. It's just his shot selection. When he has the ball in his hands too much, he's prone to turnover issues. I don't know, but then again, maybe playing in a healthy environment with teammates that he enjoys and like where he doesn't feel like the bad guy in the locker room, maybe that's just all he needs is a scenery change. I feel that he probably has a relationship with Kawhi and Paul George outside of you know, basketball, given that those guys are from the L.A. area. So maybe they have that kind of added part of their relationship in a way. You know, they can kind of relate to each other more compared to guys on the Lakers. So maybe that helps. I do agree with you. He, he He's his own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. 100%. If he just distributes the ball to Kawhi, Paul George, doesn't limits the three-point shots, just be the facilitator, man. Your rebounds. But one of the biggest motivators in life, just even for regular people, but especially athletes, professional athletes, what's the like greatest motivation other than proving everyone wrong? He's got his money. He's got his MVP. I mean, they'll play the Lakers. I'm anxious to see that. That'll be pretty cool. Another one, another interesting uh, coming up matchup. Patrick Beverly with the Chicago Bulls against the Lakers. His comments was that I'm determined to make sure they miss the playoffs. D'Angelo better watch his meniscus, ACLs. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. I thought he meant that game that he was gonna make sure that they lose, but I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Another player that could potentially help a playoff team, Kevin Love to the Miami Heat. He was released, or did he? It was a buyout with Cleveland, right? I I believe so. Either way, he's not a Cleveland Cavalier anymore. He is signed with the Miami Heat as a free agent. They, they're an interesting team. They have fallen off from what they were when they went to the finals, given it was the bubble year. They've been they've been weird this year though. The expectations were kind of high for them. The Kyle Lowry experience didn't work. I don't think I wasn't sold on that from the get go. Is he still with them actually? From the trade deadline? I believe so. Okay, never mind. I thought Unless he was gone. I'm crazy. I thought he was gone. I I was wrong. But Kevin Love adds shooting to that team. I think that's the number one thing. That team doesn't have enough shooting. Outside of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. There's Duncan Robinson with them. Someone got traded from them. I don't know. I feel like a lot of their games aren't on. Like, at least, like, local broadcast, whatever you call it. I'm not bringing you guys all the facts. I apologize. I'm a casual to the Miami Heat. I know they have some players. I'm but, a big casual to the Miami Heat. You know, they have guys such as Depot, Jimmy, Bam, Tyler Hero, Kevin Love. I don't think he starts. I mean, you kind of talked about it before the show. 
I think he comes off the bench more than likely. Mm-hmm. But what is he? He's a career 38, 39% three-point shooter. Yeah. I mean, he brings leadership. He's won a championship. He's a veteran, high basketball IQ. He knows what to do. He knows how to build a winning culture. I don't know if I'd say that, but like when he went to Cleveland and stuff. He was technically a part of winning culture. Yeah. I don't think it hurts. I think, it, if anything, it helps. Yeah, he didn't play a lot of minutes this year, so I don't really feel like we can assess his talent, but get him back into game shape, get him into the rotation somewhere, build the chemistry. The Heat are currently 7th seed in the East. They're 32-27. and 27. They're only a game behind the New York Knicks for the 6th seed to get out of the play-in tournament. I think Caleb could help them get out of the play-in tournament at least. Yeah. I don't think it's a needle mover in terms of, you know, they're winning the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think Boston or Bucks have that locked up. I do think it does help, though. I mean, it'd be really cool if, you know, the 76ers could win the East, but... Only for I JoJo. Just, I just got to be realistic. No, only for JoJo. That'd be the only Yeah, only for JoJo. What odds do you give the Lakers? We can talk about this real quick, because I think we talked about it last week. What odds do you give the Lakers? 23 games. All the additions are in set. Set now. Mobamba, D'Lo, Eric Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. I think he just got bought out. So we were looking at the seedings. So they're 27 and 32. One game out of the play-in. The Warriors still don't have Steph. The Pelicans with all their weird injuries. Zion not playing. I mean, I think they're only... Is that three games behind the Pelicans? Yes. I don't know. How many games do you think the Lakers would have to win? What, probably at the very least? What do you think, like 9 to 12, probably? And then 23 games. I think you're comfortable with 15. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely have to look at everyone's schedules, but I don't know. I did see their, I think their next five games. It looks tough. They play nothing but playoff teams. So 15 games, that puts you at 42 wins, which at that point, I think you're definitely in the playing tournament if you're at 42 wins. Yeah. 15. 15 and uh, what would it be? 15 and 8? Yeah. I think that's doable. They have to be fully healthy, though. LeBron can't miss time. Anthony Davis can't miss time. Yeah, there's no resting. You play back-to-back, you got to play. Now, if you had to give it like a 9 out of 10, what, how confident are you that they go 15 and 8 during that stretch to get in to the play-in tournament? I don't want to be a hater or anything, but given LeBron's resting, the inconsistency of the team, no bench, Anthony Davis is made of glass. Not very high. I nine to twelve probably. I think I'd be shocked if they even won twelve. Yeah. I, I don't know. The you never know with LeBron resting all this time, plus the All Star. What they had ten days with no basketball. He only played. He didn't play much in the All Star game. And he banged up his wrist. Maybe that's just you know what he needed. Maybe he's getting ready for that late season push. I think he's averaging thirty, or close to thirty. So I mean. If they all can stay healthy. He seemed pretty determined. He said these were 23 of the most important games of his career. Yeah. 
you guys think realistic, you definitely don't want to play the Nuggets first round. I don't, I mean, there's no way. So, what, their best shot is probably the 5 or 6 seed to have a shot in the playoffs? Yeah. If if they, if they don't, that's if they make it out of the playing tournament, yeah, I agree. If they play themselves into just the top six seeding, I agree. They, they, I think their ceiling's 15 wins during this stretch, but I could also see them winning like nine, they, like you mentioned. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they play Memphis, the Clippers. It was like nothing but like playoff teams. I know they play Phoenix. <laughs> Dude, it is. That's not, that's not easy. <laughs> no, it's going to be rough. Okay, so to wrap up the NBA segment now, looking through these next 23 games as well, the MVP race is heating up. We all know that. Who's going to win through these 23 games? Here, the NBA listed their top candidates as of earlier this week, I believe Monday. Jokic going for the 3 P. He's listed as the top MVP candidate, according to NBA.com. 24, 24 points per game, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, triple-double. Number two is Giannis, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. Number three is JoJo, Joel Embiid, 33, rebound, or 33 points, 10 rebounds, four, <coughs> sorry, 4 assists. Jason Tatum at number four. 30 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and then Luka. Luka fell off in the MVP. People were acting like it was his award to lose, you know, two months through the season. Yeah. I'm still anxious to see how that's going to work out. Do you think Kyrie kind of hurts his chances a little bit? Just given that if the Mavericks were... do continue to win, but it's kind of like Luka's playing well, but Kyrie's also picking up the slack. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to hurt his scoring. He might not have to play as many minutes at times. Yeah, I would say so. But then again, they also like giving the MVP to people who are on like the winning teams too. So it could help, but it could hurt too. That's kind of a tricky question. I just think Jokic is having such a good season. I'm not sure if anybody could pass him. I wanted it to be Embiid or somebody, but I don't know. I mean, there's still the event that if Embiid were to get it, it would have to be that Philly, just out of nowhere, everything's clicking, and they overtake Milwaukee and Boston and take the number one seed. I think at that point you give you give JoJo the MVP award. What if LeBron can get the Lakers to the sixth seed or the seventh seed, averaging 30 points per game at his current age? If, do, do you think they could give it to him if he wins 15? If he gets them up to the sixth seed, knowing they've been just terrible all season long? He should definitely get some votes, for sure. I don't think he gets it, but... Who's your favorite to win it? Honestly, I mean, I'd love to see Tatum win it. I just don't know if he, if he'll get it. Just pace that. I, kind of like what I was saying for Luca. You know, you have another All Star as your teammate. You have Jalen Brown that can pick up the slack. There's the argument, you know, that how can he be MVP when he has an All Star teammate? 
and given that Boston's in first place. I kind of want to see Jokic win it to see he's the underdog. He was a second round pick. He's a European player. He still doesn't get a lot of love because he's Denver's not necessarily a small market, but it's not, you know, Chicago, New York, LA. Yeah. He's he's the underdog. And to see him win three MVPs in a row, a center in today's game, win three MVPs in a row, I feel like that's impressive. If he can get CB a chip, I'll say he's my MVP. I wouldn't mind if Denver won this year. It'd be cool. It'd be different. I think I'd that'd like be it. I think that'd be the first NBA championship. Don't quote me on that, but I think it would be. Not yeah, 100% probably. sure. Now. I think it might be. I know my cousin would be happy. He, he's a born in Denver, I believe. Him and, him and my other cousin, they're twins. They were born and raised in the Denver area, I believe. That was my cousin. He's a big Broncos fan, big Nuggets fan. He reps Denver. I respect it. What about Shy Man? You didn't bring him up. Gildress Alexander. He's averaging 34 and 7 with almost two steals a game. I would include him in. I think he should be in the conversation. He doesn't get a lot of love against small market team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's the 10 seed. For me, if I'm the voter, I think you, you again, you have to get. I think you can make the case if he gets him into the playing tournament. Yeah. Probably best player on the best team, though. Jokic is probably going to get it. Yeah. That would be so crazy. I feel like there's going to be so many upset people. Yeah. Dude hit a three-peat. That is crazy to think about how difficult that would be. As a center. In a, yeah. in a league filled with crazy athletic wings right now. And with all the injuries they've had. Not even just this year, the last few years. That's right, yeah, especially last season. That's where we'll leave off with the NBA segment. Tune in next week for another Power Rankings from the NBA. We'll see some, finally see more basketball. Get that bad taste of the All-Star game out of our mouths. Hopefully. So, that was something to forward to for episode 43. As we move along, though, now to kind of round off the show, we have the NFL segment. As we mentioned at the top of the show, it's probably going to be a little bit shorter than usual, given that you know the NFL season's done and the off-season rumors and stuff are kind of relatively quiet for now. We'll get into more next week. But we were hyped last week. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We're still hyped. Kansas City is still on fire. Not literally. It's an exciting time, as I mentioned, to be a Chiefs fan in episode 41 for good reason. The 2022-2023 season, to summarize it, Chiefs went 14-3, and exceeded expectations. The people that said that Travis Kelsey is an idiot for saying that everyone doubted us, he's right because there were plenty of people that picked the Chiefs to not only miss to not only lose the AFC West race, but to not even make the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes was going to be exposed without Tyreek Hill. The defense was going to be terrible. That one, they weren't far off on it. We did finish about middle of the pack. 
but a lot of folks were exposed. And I think it's it's just unbelievable the job this coaching staff did, the job that Brett Veach did. And it really, one of the things that gets looked over with this team, the 2022 draft class. Drafts are right around the corner. We're going to get into more draft talk as the weeks go on, but you have to give the 2022 draft class like a, an applause, like clap. They were sure. they were unbelievable. They exceeded expectations, like supremely. A rookie class, that many rookie players in one class to all have success and to win the Super Bowl to help the, to be significant players on a Super Bowl winning team. You don't see that very often. Yeah, especially when you look at our strength of schedule. Some of the great quarterbacks we've played. I know the AFC West wasn't as good as everyone said it was going to be. But look at everyone else we played. Like, to hit on Trent McDuffie, George Kyleaftis, Sky Moore, Ryan Cook, Leo Chanel, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and Isaiah Pacheco. Obviously, they still have a lot to prove. And you can't just say, oh, this draft class was, you know, they're not filled with Hall of Fame. I, I don't know how to really explain, but you can't really say that, you know, they're for sure things. They still have a lot to prove. And hopefully they have a long career here in Kansas City and we don't get rid of them. But to hit on that many guys, that's just unheard of as a GM. It is. It's crazy. I still have to go get a McDuffie jersey now. Oh, you met him. Yeah. Got a picture with him. It makes me excited for the 2023 draft because we again have 12 draft picks. I think we had 10 last year. And as I mentioned, we're going to get into more of the draft talk and some of the rumors and hypothetical situations, but I don't know if the Chiefs will use all those 12 draft picks, but again, it wouldn't hurt. Because if you can have eight, you know, I don't think it'll happen again, but to have seven or eight rookies contribute like that, why not keep those draft picks? Some of those guys were late round picks too. The Chiefs won seven, a seventh straight AFC West championship, I believe, or it might be six straight. Can't remember. I can't remember. We've won so many. We just lose track. To win that division in a year that everyone said that the Chargers were going to be significantly better because they went out and got Khalil Mack. They went out and got a corner. I can't remember his name. I, I completely forgot his name. Everyone was really excited about him. The Raiders went out and got. Chandler Jones, they got Devontae Adams, the Broncos got a new coach, they got Russell Wilson. The media hype was unbelievable for those three teams. The AFC West was supposed to be a gauntlet. Chiefs ran through it, swept it. How much money did the AFC West spend trying to dethrone us? I believe over $200 million. That's bad investment. Terrible investment. And we got younger mm-hmm. while they got older. And one team is now looking for a quarterback. It's a, it's a interesting, man, to see them 
have that success to go 14 and three tying a franchise record for most wins in a season to have a top three offense. It's only up from here. I really do believe that a hundred percent. Now everyone knows how the ending went. We obviously won the Super Bowl championship, five straight AFC championship appearances to host it in Kansas city. It's basically the Kansas city invitational for the AFC championship game. If you want to win the Super Bowl, you got to go through Kansas City. Did you ever think you'd be able to say that? Never. The first 20 years of your life? Never. That's crazy. Never. It It's awesome. That's a you know, quick summary of the 2022-2023 Chiefs season. It's going to be exciting this offseason. It's going to be interesting. Here are some of the players that are key free agents. It's it's a pretty important list. Juju Smith-Schuster, Orlando Brown Jr., Jarek McKinnon, McCole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, Andrew Wiley, Derek Nottie, Colin Saunders, and Carlos Dunlap. All were key contributors. Or not necessarily. Not all of them. Most of them were key contributors to the Super Bowl, though. At some point in the season, they, they helped us get there, all those dudes. Yeah, to win 14 games. I agree. Yeah. Out of those players, in your opinion, Ryan, who do you feel like is most important to keep and who do you think we should move on from? I don't know. That's... With McColl's injuries, do you let him go? I think so. He just had surgery. Can't oh. re-sign him, right? He had a... Not an oblique injury, not a growing, I can't remember, pelvis. He had a pelvis injury, and he had surgery on it. He was a second-round draft pick, and he hasn't. We obviously reached on him. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you've had this much success drafting people so far, might as well just try and draft some wide receivers or something. I would. I mean, I don't, I mean, if we can get Juju on a friendly deal, yeah, I mean, he still battled some injuries, too. I don't think he's... I don't see anybody giving him a big deal, do you? Might as well stay in a position to where you could win and take a team-friendly deal. I think we can get him for cheap. So, McColl, McColl's one of the guys you would move on from? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember who said that the best ability is reliability. If you can't, If he can't be on the field, it doesn't matter how much we're paying him. It's not worth it at all. I'm not talking bad, that's just what I think. I mean... He's a good player. Not yeah, when he's there. Even when he's there, though, he, he we, everyone was waiting and expecting him to eventually become the number two that we needed. He never became that. Yeah, I'd have no problem with moving on. I think he's replaceable. I think Andrew Wiley's replaceable. But then again... He did just help us win a Super Bowl, gave up zero sacks. Yeah. It's I, just tough because you've highlighted it before, the amount of pressures that he gave up. Yeah, it, it's hard to decide because obviously when you have, you know, you're coming off Super Bowl, you want to keep everybody that you can. But I don't think we can expect to win without making some changes. We got to try and... He was one of our weakest points yeah. on the team. 
I'd say you just draft some young wide receivers. If you can't get Juju on a friendly deal, bye. He helped us. He got a ring. It was cool. Couldn't have won the Super Bowl without him. I think one of the biggest question marks was Orlando Brown Jr. Will he take the franchise tag? Because if he doesn't, then you're looking at a situation where you might have to trade him. But you'll get compensation for him back, but then you're looking for your next left tackle. Yeah, we have picks. We have average cap space. We can make some moves. That that's it's tough though. It's the biggest last year I talked about the three biggest question marks going into the off season. Orlando Brown Jr. is one of them. He's one of them again this season. I think Juju Smith Schuster is a question mark. Depending on the money, I think he has to come back on a team friendly deal. His production, he he played pretty well. He played well in the Super Bowl, too. He's been banged up. I think his knees, he's still relatively young. I think he's 26, if not around 27, around Patrick Mahomes' age. But he's been banged up, especially the last couple of seasons. You have to take that into consideration. Jarek McKinnon, I think he's a must to bring back. I hope so, especially if we can get him on a friendly deal. I think he would take a friendly deal, just given that one running backs don't take or don't get big contracts. Some of them do if you're overpaying for them, but usually those teams don't win Super Bowls. Exactly. I mean, if he wants to go play for a poverty franchise and you know make a little more money, I'm not going to be mad at him, but why wouldn't you want to just stay with Mahomes and keep winning? But he's also 30. That's the thing. But it, then again, we don't use him as an every down back. So that his age doesn't play a major factor. Out of the group that I'm saying, I say Juju, we need to bring back. Or Lem Brown Jr., you might as well bring him back because starting over at left tackle isn't easy. Jarek McKinnon, you need to bring back. I think McCall Hardman, it would be nice to bring him back. He knows the offense. He's the guy that can stretch the field with his speed. I think he's replaceable. Juan Thornhill. Kind of another player that's had some success, but he's just not where you need him to be. And I think he wants to get paid. I think he's replaceable. Andrew Wiley, he's been a player that's stepped up in some situations when we needed him to. Obviously, he's helped us win a Super Bowl. I feel like he's replaceable, though. I think you can find better options at right tackle than him. Yeah, I agree. Derek Nottie. I think he's replaceable. I think you can go out and draft a a young defensive tackle. Colin Saunders, I'd re-sign him over Derek Nottie at yeah, de- defensive like tackle. Carlos Dunlap, do you bring him back on a friendly deal? It depends. And some of the really the two another two big question marks that aren't listed in this this group that I've have pulled up. Do you restructure Frank Clark and extend him again? Because I think he's due for an extension. Does he want to resign in Kansas City? And what do you do with Chris Jones? Chris Jones is due to make a lot of money in his next contract. Rightfully so. He is the second best defensive tackle in pro football. Yeah, 
I mean, obviously you try to, but I think you try and keep them both if you can. But then again, I guess it depends on what our draft strategy is like. I know there's still some other free agents out there. We don't know where they're going yet. If, if Frank Clark makes it difficult, I think you move on. Yeah, if we're going young on our defense anyway, if he wants to be, you know, weird about it. Hey, you helped us win, we helped you win, but... I can understand if he wants some money because he did help us win two Super Bowls. He, for whatever reason, he comes alive in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Regular season, he's kind of just average. But again, like as you mentioned, I think there's better young talent than him. I would love to bring him back because he knows the system. And then Chris Jones have a good relationship. I think he has a good relationship with Spags. Has a good relationship with Andy. But man, he... If he's wanting big money like he did the first time, like we've already paid you a lot of money before and it didn't work out. The deal would have to be right. And Chris Jones. Chris Jones is going to get the bag. As I mentioned. It's just tough. If you pay a defensive lineman and he's inching closer to 30. We've already seen what the Rams are going through right now with Aaron Donald's contract. They, they are very top-heavy because you have Stafford's contract, you have Cup's contract, and you have Donald's contract. The, that's a lot of money that's burning you know, their salary cap situation. I don't want the Chiefs to run into the same situation where you have like Mahomes, his contract, Chris Jones is huge, and then Orlando Brown Jr. is huge, and then Joe Tooney's contract is huge. But then again, he he deserves the money. Yeah, he deserves the money, and you, I think it's a pro- he needs to be a priority though. You somehow, some way, Brevich needs to bring him back. You need some veterans on both sides of the ball still, but especially yeah. him. Yeah, and I get the scenario that if you trade him. Because it could be the same thing as the Tyreek Hill situation. We got a lot back. Mm-hmm. And look where it, it got us. Yeah, I mean, if we're already going younger, I mean, also, I guess it depends on what we could get in return for him. Could we get more draft picks, pair that with our 12 already, maybe go out and get a better receiver? You never know. I mean, obviously they know more about it than I do. But I know they have a plan. I just don't know what it is yet. Do I'm I'm in favor definitely of keeping him because think of our defensive line. I know we were second in the league in sacks this season behind the Eagles, which is an accomplishment compared to the 2021 season when we were, I think, the bottom half in in sack totals. But if you think about it, most of our sack numbers came from blitzes, like unique blitzes, whether it comes from the slot or from the linebackers. Because outside of Chris Jones, no one was really getting to the quarterback. Occasionally, but not consistently from the defensive line. So you definitely have to bring him back. He has a strong case to say, hey, I deserve that money. Frank Clark, too, in a way. It's going to be interesting, though. Those two guys, those two guys, Orlando Brown and I'd say Juju, probably the two or four biggest question marks in terms of free agency and extending those guys. Definitely, because those are four core players that helps you win the Super Bowl and could help you going forward over the next three years. Because 
all of them are going to be either 30 or over 30 at that point. And then you look at what do we do next with them? Because more than likely those guys aren't going to get extended after that. Chris Jones will probably sign a long-term deal, like a five-year deal or something. It'll be interesting, though. And then when I was talking about it at the top of the show, we were previewing this chief segment. We talked about how the coaching staff has a little bit of shakeup. Eric Bieniemy is now the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commandos. I like to call them that. Who's the next OC? Is it more than likely? I mean, it's going to be Matt Nagy. But the Chiefs do have to interview people. They have to meet the requirements of the NFL, for like the Rooney Rule. Get to interview a few minority candidates, which kind of sucks because they're getting sham interviews. Yeah. Because the Chiefs probably know who they're going to pick. But the quarterback coach will be interesting because if Matt Nagy gets elevated to offensive coordinator, who becomes the quarterback coach? Some people have thrown out Alex Smith, which I would love. I'd love that if he could come back. Him and Patrick Mahomes have a really good relationship. They worked well with each other in 2017. Obviously, Alex Smith knows the quarterback position pretty well. And being on the staff with Andy, he could learn a lot. And then some people may not be a fan of this if you, in Kansas City. Cliff Kingsbury. The Cardinals, former Arizona Cardinals head coach. I can see it for a couple of reasons. He kind of is not, obviously he's knowledgeable. He's a head coach in the NFL. He was a head coach and he was a head coach at a high level college football program. He knows passing game. I'll say that. He'd be a good like passing game coordinator. I'm sure he has some unique designs. It just didn't work out in Arizona. But him and Patrick Mahomes have a relationship going back to Texas Tech. They still keep in touch. Obviously, he saw the potential in Patrick Mahomes at that point and early in Patrick Mahomes' career in Lubbock. I don't see why not bring him in. He has to work his way back up anyway. Why not prove himself to Andy in Kansas City too? Because I'm sure he's going to be wanting to go get another head coaching job within the next probably three years if he doesn't go back to college. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'd be fine with either one. Yeah, Alex would be just a great story, but I don't know if he even has interest in that or anything, but it'd be really cool. That'd be a cool story. Yeah, it would for sure. He'd be be leaving ESPN, of course. I don't know how much money he's making there. I don't know if Kansas City can pay him a little bit more, but it'd be interesting. Maybe he'll do it for a good chance to finally get a ring. Yeah. But it'll be a part of the coaching staff, but a ring's a ring. Absolutely. You have players, you need coaches. Absolutely. Now, as we end this episode, if you're missing football like me and Ryan are, and probably most of Kansas City, the XFL and the USFL did start up, or the XFL started up last week. It's actually pretty entertaining. They have different rules from the NFL. It's not the traditional football that you're accustomed to seeing, but it is exciting. The talent's obviously not as good, but it, it, it's something to get you by until September. It's better than nothing. The USFL, I think the XFL compared to the USFL is probably better, but the USFL is starting up as well. So those are two leagues. If you're if you have a fix for football, you know that's where you can get it. And look forward to episode forty three because we're going to talk 
a little bit about the NFL Combine. We're going to preview that. And then the week after that, we'll be able to kind of get a better idea of some of these players coming out of the college and kind of look forward to some of the prospects we kind of have circled for the Chiefs. But that's in the coming weeks. You guys got to do your homework as well. We'll do our homework. Tune back in for episode 43. Hope you guys enjoyed episode 42. We'll see you guys then.